We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Transformative Principal episode 196 with Dan Kelly. I'm really excited about this interview with the president of NASSP. We are going to talk about some great things, including grading and all kinds of other fun stuff. So I hope you enjoy this. It's going to be a great conversation. And please take a minute to share it with somebody else who can learn from this as well. Enjoy the interview with Dan Kelly. Welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast. I am excited to have Dan Kelly the president of the National Association of Secondary School Principals. And Dan, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the Transformative Principal. My pleasure. Uh, this is exciting. This is my first podcast, so uh, I'm excited to, uh, to talk with you this morning and, uh, and hopefully we'll have some, uh, some good topics to share with uh, your listeners out there today. Well, good. I'm pretty excited that this is your first one. I think of all the podcasts you could do, this is probably the best one to be your first one. <laughs> I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, that's great. So you're currently the president of NASSP, but would you talk a little bit about your background and career before we get into the interview? Sure. So I've been in education. This will be, I think, this is year twenty uh, that I've been in the education field, and so I'm. Uh, I, I currently I live in Rhode Island. Uh, I'm a high school principal in Smithfield, Rhode Island at Smithfield High School, Um, but my career actually started way back uh, in the Midwest, and so I started out as an elementary and special education major at Bowling Green State University, and 
got my first teaching job was a middle school in Springfield, Ohio, teaching math and science and health in a uh, pretty urban and distressed uh, community. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a better first year experience. And then one of my teammates from uh, from college called me one day that year and said, listen, I have a, an opening up in uh, Michigan. You need to come on up. And uh, I guarantee you to be a, a significant pay raise of what you're making right now, and it'd be will be fun to work together. And went up there and uh, went into special education, and it was another unique setting. It was a middle school, but it was an eight nine middle school, and so uh, we were teaching the high school curriculum, and so it was kind of an interesting interesting mix. Um, but uh, I learned a ton, and uh, that's when I first started to think about getting into into leadership and into getting into administration, because uh, I had some just some absolutely fantastic mentors um, at that building. Uh, fate would lead me to uh, to meeting my wife in a story that's not for this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's for a different time. Uh, but uh, I ended up meeting my wife, and uh, she was uh, teaching and coaching in Rhode Island. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to take a shot. And uh, so I came out here and visited and we uh, started dating and um, she got me a job at her high school at Tiverton High School here in uh, Rhode Island. And they basically hired me sight unseen. It was a male special ed teacher who could coach. You know, back then that was like striking gold. Check. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I ended up moving out here for a year and um, – coached and, uh, and did the special ed uh, gig at the high school. And then I uh, decided to, to continue my master's degree in administration and educational leadership. And so I uh, enrolled at Providence College and took a year off, which was probably one of the best best things that I did in that it gave me a full year to really immerse myself in the curriculum, the culture. Um, I, uh, I was a grad assistant there, so I got to work behind the scenes in program development at the college level. It was a lot of fun. It was a great year. And um, I left there, uh, graduated, and jumped right into a, an assistant principal's role at Cranston High School East in Cranston, Rhode Island, uh, which was, uh, was probably the fourth or fifth largest town here in uh, in Rhode Island and interesting there's a east side and a west side there's a clear dividing line and there's a clear uh, line of uh, in regards to um, just the the student population the communities and so I was on the east side it was very much of an urban um, there was a a very gang element to that side of town which made for some some really interesting days and stories and so I was there I had another fantastic mentor in Don Frederick uh, who was our principal and uh, he gave me a lot of opportunities to really spread my wings and learn and try new things and experiment and fail and get back up again and try again and um, an opportunity opened up in Smithfield Rhode Island and it just happened to be that I was moving to that town, and um, it also happens to be the town that my wife grew up in, and so which is kind of strange. And uh, so I was hired. I was one of the youngest principals ever in Rhode Island. Um, I think it was hired around, uh, I don't know, 31, 32, 33, somewhere in there, and uh, started my career at, at Smithfield and had a great, uh, we've had a great run. Been there 11 years now, just finished my 11th. I've worked with some fantastic teachers and administrators. I got 
couple of my uh, of my assistant principals have moved on to uh, to take on roles uh, in their own buildings. Um, and one of them uh, is uh, Alan Tenrero, who was uh, the national principal of the year two years ago. He worked at my building, and we had a great team going for about six years and uh, had a lot of fun together, um, but really, really transformed uh, education in, uh, in our building. So, so here I am now. Uh, two years ago, I decided to run for president of NESSP. I had been serving on the, on the national board for a couple of years. And uh, said, you know what? Now's the now's the time to, to go for that, and it's a pretty rigorous process. Um, and uh, and I was fortunate to uh, to win that. And so I spent last year as president elect, which is not too much, uh, a little bit of travel, um, but it's 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 not too taxing. Uh, and then uh, I took a leave of absence. Uh, school committee granted me that for this year. And uh, I go and I work for NESSP now, and uh, I get to spend the year traveling around the country and going to conferences and going to meetings at uh, different regions and different states, and uh, I get to spend a lot of time down in D.C. advocating for principals and uh, down on the Hill uh, about week and a half ago, I was down at the State Department uh, working with uh, some folks there and some folks from ASCD on some new standards. Only been a month since I've been president, uh, but I've been to a couple of different states already. It's really been an amazing, uh, amazing run so far. And it's amazing is that we're all dealing with the same problems. You know, yeah. no matter if I'm in Vermont, if I'm in, you know, Virginia and Washington, Phoenix, wherever, it, you know, the, sometimes the contexts are a little bit different, but we're all dealing with the same things. Equity, the violence in our communities, um, how do we increase rigor? How do we, how do we change these archaic ways of thinking in a lot of our schools that meet the needs of a kid who's, you know, going into, into college here in a couple of years and, you know, in, in 2020, and we're still in this kind of archaic model where we only teach for 180 days. So it's, it's fun. It's challenging work, but I'm really excited for this upcoming year and getting to learn from principals around the country. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Hopefully, you can make it up to Alaska at some point in the year. It's on my list, man. I'd love to. I'd love to get up there. (laughs) Um, So, you know, one of the things you said right there at the end that uh, I think just it for me, it always seems crazy how like we're still like you said teaching this archaic way. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately is if we adapted the way that we taught to be different and less focused on compliance because it seems like that's where so much of the challenge comes in and more focused on really engaging kids and meeting them where they're at i feel like people would be able to withstand teaching for longer during the year rather than only 180 days and you know i just i feel like there's there's hope for different styles of of teaching and learning that we can start implementing that'll be more powerful, I guess. And so that's just something that I, that I hope comes to pass. I think eventually we're going to get to the point where it's not a, you know, summer's off for education anymore. And if we're still teaching the same way we're teaching, it's going to be a long year and that's going to be tough. (laughs) I I remember a couple, uh, this is probably three years ago. I was on a, on a Twitter chat on a Sunday night for our Rhode Island chat, uh, Ed Chat RI, and I had mentioned uh, in that chat something about how the role of the school needs to change, and 
that we have to get out of this this concept of we're stuck in six hours or five hours and 45 minutes and if you're in Rhode Island of teaching a day and that schools really need to change and become kind of hubs where kids can kind of come in and out depending on their needs, their learning styles. And it's not that schools will go away and teachers will go away. It's just, it has to be different. And I upset a lot of people that day. And I had teachers that were on that chat cussing me out and they were upset because they thought I meant get rid of teachers. And that is not at all. We cannot, it's not about getting rid of, of, of teachers, but we have to rethink the role of the teacher. And it cannot be, you know, a teacher standing in front of, of a room, uh, you know, just spitting out facts and you know in the age of google and bing and all you know all these crazy search engines we don't need that anymore but when you say that to a teacher who's you know been making a living and and raised a family and done this for 28 years and you tell them you know to try to change their practice that's hard and uh and that's and that's some of the, the lessons that i've i've learned about how you know how personal teachers take things um and it's out of love and passion for for their kids and they want to see them do better but to make, uh, to try to encourage someone to change who's been doing something and, and doing it fairly well for, for 28 years, uh, that's a difficult conversation to have. And uh, it, it can lead to uh, a lot of uh, anxiety and can lead to, um, it can add a lot of stress on a faculty and, and really, really disrupt cultures. Yeah. Well, you know, I think part of that, that issue there is that and I shouldn't say it like that. Part of what makes that so challenging is that. Uh, teachers, rightfully so, feel like teaching is a calling and that there's, you know, a higher power or something greater than themselves pushing them to do it. And so talking about anything that takes away their ability to fulfill that calling is very challenging. And I and I get that's not what you're saying, but it's it's helping them see that it's not it doesn't have to be how it was. And if we can help them see that in a way that is supportive and caring and understanding of where they have been and what they have done, then I think they can make that shift. And, you know, I think you experienced that at the at Smithfield High School that that you were able to make some of those shifts. Doesn't mean it was easy, but, you know, when people start understanding that you're not trying to take away a job, you're trying to provide job security for a changing world that's where where the difference comes in and that's that's been my experience as well with that I think there's a huge disconnect too right, right now um, between the the teacher preparation programs and and what's happening in schools and it happened in administrator uh, programs as well there's there's a, still a disconnect there I think you know where you've got instructors that ha- are, are sometimes teaching these courses or, or teaching new teachers and they haven't been in a classroom in 15 or, or 20 years and so um, I really think there needs to be more dialogue that's taking place you know K to 16 uh, you know K to 20 you know getting into a little more to to help with this I still think there's a lot of people that go into teaching sometimes as a backup plan and because uh, it's a great career and, and you can be really successful and, and make a great living and raise a family and do those things. But when you start talking about really individualizing instruction to that kid and then you can't do that in a, in a structure with 35 kids in a room. It's impossible for one, one, one adult to do that. So I think there's a lot structurally that we have to look at as communities and, and K, K to 16, K to 20 with the colleges uh, to help, uh, help speed up this, uh, this shift. 
Yeah. Well, I, I just moved to uh, Fairbanks to start a new principal job up here. And the whole reason, thank you. Thank you. The whole reason that I came up here was because of the personalized learning approach that they are taking. And the whole district is on board. It is part of their strategic plan. They've talked about it at every meeting. And that has been the focus of, of everything that we're doing. And I just got to say, I am so excited about it that I just cannot believe that I'm actually here. The things that you're talking about that I'm, that I've been trying to, you know, shove down people's throats in every school I've been in. I'm (laughs) finally not only not having to ask for forgiveness when I do something related to it, but my superintendent is actively telling me and every other adult in the buildings that we need to go down this path. And I, I am just tickled that I get to be part of this and part of it really at the ground floor where I'm at a middle school and and the middle school group uh, schools are the ones that are just starting it right now. And so, I mean, all the things that I've been working towards my whole career are finally culminating and it's just exciting to see what that is going to do for our students. And it's something that I've been waiting for. It seems like forever. And it's just exciting to be part of that. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you hit it on the head. Your superintendent is leading the charge. And you've got to have that, we call them school committees. Some districts call them school boards. You know, if you've got that that power and that um, that backing from them and you've got that clear vision, great things can happen. And I think in a lot of districts across the country, we get caught up in test scores and community pressure and, and rankings. And that's something that uh, is sometimes thrown back at me sometimes is, you know, for example, our high school in Smithfield, we are not a very strong AP curriculum. And a lot of the rankings that are used in our area nationally look at AP scores. And, but we have a great alternative at our high school. We have an early enrollment program, and we've been one of the leaders in that in Rhode Island now for well over probably 25 years now. And at one point, we had the highest enrollment of kids taking college-level classes in high school. And so we would have kids that would be graduating with 16 to sometimes 22 college credits. They'd have a semester and a half done before they graduated, but that wouldn't count in the rankings. That wouldn't count in the conversation because it was about AP scores. And I would put our credits were accepted. I think about 84, 85% of most colleges, that's, that's a great deal for families. And while I believe in trying to have balance and, and a strong AP and a strong EEP, you know, it's tough to get penalized in, you know, in the newspapers when they say your ranking is no good because you don't have AP. But no one's asking, well, what do you have instead of that? And so it boils down to something that I've, I've learned and, and it's been reinforced a lot lately is, you know, as principals and as superintendents, we have to tell our story. We have to control that message as much as possible. And I think that's a, a big breakdown, especially in principal preparation programs. We're not trained to be marketers. We're not trained to be, you know, communication strategists. And yet I, I found in the last five, six years, that's been the most important. That's been at the top of my list has been telling my story and getting my message out and controlling my message and what my school's all about. That is so true. And that matters no matter what level you're at as a teacher, as a principal, as a superintendent, that's what you've got to be doing. And if you're not telling your story, um, 
somebody else's and you just can't you just can't let that continue it's just not it's just not good right just, right <laughs> yep just not good it's that simple it's that's not that good <laughs> so you know on that front one of the things that i've been trying to to focus on is is telling that story and as you said we're not trained marketers or anything like that so what's your advice for for someone who who wants to tell that story but just doesn't quite know how yet what what would you say they should do to get started how how should they be telling that story so we started out simply just by getting to where the parents were we started with facebook and we created um and it was we didn't our policies prohibited it and as you said earlier sometimes it's better to ask forgiveness than permission exactly. uh, you know <laughs> so i started a facebook page and just did it and uh Nobody really caught on uh, for a little while, and then eventually people started to see the power that and the traction that it was gaining, and really just trying to hit f- families there, and that made a big that that took a big dent. Just that simple step of, you know, I didn't ask for feedback. I wasn't, you know, you know, putting questions out there. It was more of just getting information out. And no matter if I had it on a, my Google Calendar or on the school website, most parents were going to Facebook first and getting a lot of their news and information there. So just putting that out made a huge, uh, huge difference. Then I started to shift to a blog. And it's not necessarily a blog where I was sharing feelings. It was more of just general information. Instead of doing a weekly newsletter, I did a weekly blog. And then using technology, linking that to the Facebook page, linking that to the Twitter account that we ultimately uh, created as well. And so you only have to do it once, and then you let the technology feed it out to all of your your, your different platforms. And so right now, it's it, you know I still get a, a couple que- you know, a couple calls or questions saying I can't find things, but between the school calendar, the school website, the Facebook page, the Twitter page, and the blog, most stuff you you can find. And then, but we're also at the same time sharing pictures, sharing stories, sharing highlights, and um, that's really worked for us in, in our district. Now, recently, we just um, state of Rhode Island is in an interesting spot because our career and technical education programs are now. Uh, if you're out of district, you're now eligible to go to those, and the per pupil funding follows the kid. And so, we have a lot of comprehensive high schools like myself that have very strong. CTE programs. And we are now marketing and selling ourselves to try to bring in kids from outside of our community into our high school. You know, and that that $15,000 comes with them. And so it's been a really interesting conversation in our district now because I don't have those skills for marketing, web design, advertising. I went out and got permission to hire a company to assist us with that. And so I hired a communications uh, firm, or the district did, and, but you know, we, we were the catalyst to make that happen. And it's been a slow developing process. The high school has jumped on board and we've been using them. And it's it started off as just talking about our CTE programs and building a new website, a new platform to advertise and promote those programs. But it's turned into... If we have a crisis situation, I now have somebody to send my press release to that is not connected to it that can give me feedback on it before I send that out to the public. Yeah, That's that's important, but not everybody has the money to do something like that. But they're... The company, the group that we went with, you know, is, is, is an emerging company that 
is starting to focus just on school districts and helping them. So I would encourage people to look into something like that because there might be um, some good deals that you could find that would be fairly inexpensive that could help you crafting your story, especially in those crisis types of scenarios. Yeah, you know, that's really important. One of the other aspects of that that I think it's overlooked a lot is when you go to a new school or like I just made a transition, I don't know what the district uh, policy is on on how to update the website and who's in charge of that. I've also got all new front office staff. So, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. But what I can do is jump on Facebook, create a page for my school and start sharing things just like that. And, and so that's what I've been doing. So it's taken some time for the new person in our communications department to update the website with things like open house information. So I do that on the Facebook page. And and now I've got a much more personal connection with everybody that likes it. And, and that makes us have a better relationship so that when they come into the school, they know more about it and all that kind of stuff. And you know, one of the things that we try to do so much is we make things more complicated than they have to be. But I mean, if, if you know how to use Facebook, then you can do a page and get your story out there and just start with that. And it doesn't have to be as complicated as, uh, you know, creating a whole new website or, or anything like that. It's really quite simple and doesn't take very much to do at all. The other thing I would caution and, and this is something that I've paid the price now for a while, was I, I started that Facebook page. I controlled the content. And so it was only recently that I started to give up permissions for other people to control the content. Oh, yeah. And so you don't want it to all fall. You know, and sometimes as a building leader, it, we, we take control of things and then we don't want to give up control or we're afraid to give control. And so I would encourage anybody who's taken, you know, this next step, give your secretary control that Facebook page so they can, you know, they can help with that. Give your assistant principals or principal, if you know, your, your key teacher leaders access to some of those. And so that was something I was leery of doing at first because again, I wanted to control the message. I wanted to, fo- you know, I guess I was probably nervous at times of you don't want someone to, you know, to put out the wrong thing or screw up. But as principals, there's so much on our plates. We can't own it all the time. And so if we can delegate that or give uh, some permission, at least to our secretary to say, hey, hey, can you go post this on Facebook that this event's coming up or this, you know, sports have been changed. Um, I think that would make lives a lot easier for, uh, for principals. I enjoyed that interview with Dan, and I am looking forward to learning more uh, from him. Next week, we're going to get more into the discussion about grading and and get some solid ideas on how we can work with that. And then we're going to talk about NASSP and its role in 2017. Thanks so much for listening, and have a wonderful week. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE 
to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.